I would have gotten to the subject sooner if it didn't feel a little too close for comfort to the political sphere and like I was maybe going beyond the scope of this podcast. You can't separate religion and politics, but this is intended to be a place for atheists regardless of your other views, or at least I try to make it that. It can be difficult, however, to discuss why Christianity is harmful in the U.S., for example, without just speaking explicitly of the political agenda that Christians tend to endorse, an agenda that's at least in part informed by their Christian beliefs. And besides, politics and religion are obviously linked. If you talk about one long enough, you'll get to the other eventually. There are political phenomena that are inexplicable without including religion in the equation. And likewise, there are religious phenomena that can't be fully understood without the underlying political and economic conditions. As for the subject at hand, I should clarify that I don't claim to have a theory of everything when it comes to evangelical Christianity. What I do have is an entire extended family that falls into that category, many of them in ministry, and having been an evangelical, I have a familiarity with the tenets of the religion, and I had years in ministry myself. Working with, all told, thousands and thousands of evangelicals across the South and the Midwest, which is where the majority of evangelicals are concentrated, they appear to be growing in number in third world countries, but for the time being, there are more of them in the US than anywhere else in the world. So let's talk about the religion of my birth, and I'm sure many of yours. Evangelical Christianity. The enthusiastic Christian embrace of our current president has generated some extremely tedious defenses of Christianity. For a long time post-election and even into the present, you could hear brilliant, skewering criticisms such as, what's Christian about doing blank? The blank usually being filled with something like screwing over the poor, not helping refugees, locking kids in cages. And the reason these defenses are so tedious and annoying to me is because they demonstrate a profound lack of understanding of what evangelical Christianity actually is. If these people had any idea what Christianity is actually like in America, it would never occur to them to wonder how Christians could behave the way they've been behaving. I mean, it's true that Trump is an unchristlike figure who can nonetheless reliably count on evangelical Christians for support, but their enthusiasm for him is not the enigma that some have made it out to be, for a few reasons. And to get the most obvious misunderstanding out of the way first, Jesus does not equal Christianity. The teachings of Jesus as written in the New Testament have very little influence within evangelicalism. Direct, explicit, and sometimes repeated sayings of Jesus are ignored by modern Christians. Jesus said in Matthew that whoever sets aside the least of the law's commands will be least in the kingdom of heaven, that he, quote, did not come to abolish the law, and that you must keep the commandments to enter into life. This is completely ignored by evangelicals who take bits and pieces of Jesus' words and teach that the only thing you need to do is believe and have faith. And of course, Jesus said several times that you should give, quote, everything you own to the poor, like he did in Matthew chapter 19 and Luke chapters 12, 14, and 18. He's done a great job defending the faith. What I find fascinating is that these fundamentalist Christians, it really does appear to be that politics always overrides the actual religiosity. Because when they talk about somebody defending the Christian faith, what they mean is they're just down the line Republicans. You can get any ideology you want from religion, and Christianity is no different. You can get any ideology you want from there. But yeah, there are some examples of things that they don't have a counter-argument to it, but they just ignore it. So like Jesus in most of the New Testament is a hippie, commie Marxist before Marxism was a thing. I mean, line after line, uh, it's more likely for a camel to get through the, eye of the needle than a rich person to get into heaven. Is Jesus uh, 
more in favor of tax cuts for the rich and war or the opposite? That's a serious question. But to a guy like Franklin Graham, as long as you're down the line Republican, then we're going to be with you. Like one of their big In 2016, the president won 80% of the white evangelical vote, which was a higher level of support than they had for Ronald Reagan or George W. Bush. According to Jerry Falwell Jr., Christians have, quote, found their dream president. To those who insist that the president doesn't act like a Christian, perhaps you should consider Falwell's assertion. If you think Trump isn't appealing to evangelicals based on their evangelicalism, I would say that you don't understand American Christianity. And I specify evangelical because their denomination is characterized by more than strictly Christian ideas. It includes political ideology as well. For example, the culture war positions they take are, in their view, largely informed by their religion. It's not just a religion, at least not in the sense that anyone can be an evangelical Christian and also believe whatever they want regarding other subjects. As my mother says, I don't understand how a Christian could ever vote for a Democrat. But how is voting for a Democrat unchristian? It's not as if Democrats are a party of atheists. A web of seemingly unrelated issues are effectively unified under a particular version of religion, one that I happened to be raised in. Real Christians are conservatives, only believe Fox News, don't accept climate change, hate communism, and reject evolution. Though these are seemingly disparate positions, they are not at all unrelated in the minds of evangelicals. Part of the explanation for this is the totalitarian nature of Christianity. Evangelical Christianity is a particularly authoritarian and fundamentalist strain, and its theology is far more wide-ranging and all-encompassing. It's a package deal. Being an evangelical Christian means that there is a narrow range of acceptable political opinion, a narrow range of acceptable music, even a range of acceptable vehicles to drive. The culture war and conservatism and all the rest of it comes with the religion, because that's the nature of totalitarianism. It's not just that you're always being watched and have no identity outside of the ideology. You're also micromanaged to an absurd degree and told what you'll think and how you'll behave in both consequential and unimportant areas. As Christopher Hitchens said, religion is totalitarian in theory and practice. The inerrancy of the Bible is just as much a tenet of their religion as the inerrancy of capitalism. A rigid pro-life position is a dogma not entirely unlike the divinity of Jesus. Believing that Christians are oppressed in the United States is just as important as rejecting neuroscience, which is just as important as being against gun control. Also, did you know that it never says the words wall of separation between church and state in the Constitution? Evolution is a liberal hoax, and so is the lie that any of the founding fathers were deists. These are a few of the doctrines of evangelical Christianity. If you reject too many of these tenets, you're no longer a member of the tribe no matter what you believe about Jesus and the Bible. While Trump fails in what uninformed outsiders see as Christian, he excels in the other tenets of evangelical Christianity. He indulges their persecution fantasies. He acts as if he legalized wishing people Merry Christmas, which evangelicals believe to be a taboo. He's taken several actions directed against transgender people, which he only does to make evangelicals happy. He's pushed abstinence-only sex education. He's extremely pro-Israel. He's a successful businessman, which are somewhere between men and gods in their minds. He wants to lower taxes. He's eroded the wall of separation on numerous occasions. He loves the military uncritically. He hates President Obama. He's illiterate and inarticulate. There's a deep anti-intellectualism that resonates with evangelicals who routinely reject the consensus of experts and have felt the heat for doing so. And of course, he also pretends to be pro-life. For evangelicals, you almost can't overstate the importance of being against abortion. If Trump isn't an evangelical Christian, he's an honorary evangelical. 
Another honorary member we can learn from is Dennis Prager. He's a longtime culture warrior and creator of the highly educational PragerU, which you can watch on YouTube to get a feel for evangelicalism. You could also read or watch anything produced by Liberty University. So when my parents found out that I was believing less and less of Christian doctrine, they sent me to an apologetics camp called Summit Semester, which is in Colorado like a lot of evangelical organizations. I sat through multiple lectures every day for a combined total of over 80 hours of lectures during the two-week camp. But they weren't just teaching us why God was real and evolution wasn't. They were teaching us why socialism will never work, why abortion is murder, and why the gay agenda is going to cause the downfall of the American empire. It's not an exaggeration to say that we spent more time disparaging Marxism in all its forms than the combined time we spent on the fine-tuning and Kalam cosmological argument. Religion is totalitarian in theory and practice. To Trump himself, this arrangement is more of a transactional relationship. But to evangelicals, he really is their, quote, dream president. He's not an inversion of American Christianity. He's their avatar. That's, that's probably what's motivating the You kind of have to ask every day, like, what is this attachment between white evangelicals and Donald Trump? <laughs> you know, something should remain a mystery. You know, you should continue to be mystified by them because they're bizarre. Well... Okay, so I think I think there's several layers of this. One is, um, like you say, this transactional relationship that they have, where he promised them judges, he promised them that he would get rid of the Johnson Amendment, and then there's the access end of things. They're very pleased by the fact that they are welcome in the White House all the time. So mm-hmm. there are very frequently meetings between evangelical leaders and the president, meetings between evangelical leaders and the vice president. Um, I have talked to evangelicals who have told me they have Trump's cell phone number, they can talk to him. I've talked to evangelicals who tell me they've been to dinner at, at the vice president's residence. Um, I've talked to evangelicals who say they have like an open line to Stephen Miller and they used to have an open line to um uh, to Steve Bannon. Uh, so it's the transactional thing. It's the access thing. It, it makes them, it gives them the ability to say, we matter. Uh, we're not, you know, the, the Republican Party isn't just using us anymore for their votes, um, but really then just catering to the elitists and the globalists. They, you know, we really matter to Trump. This might be the most superfluous episode I've ever made for listeners of this show, and yet this appears to be counterintuitive for many journalistic elites. By the way, it's really funny to point out how unchristlike Donald Trump is, but how is there anyone left who's still surprised that evangelicals support him? The flurry of idiotic takes seems to have tapered off since the election, but that clip I just played, with the guy who said the evangelical attachment to Trump was quote, mysterious and bizarre, that was from a couple weeks ago. And the woman, Sarah Posner, was laughing at him justifiably. As a journalist, she's been focused on covering evangelical Christianity for some time. And then there's the level of Trump is something that was prophesied in the Bible. And he's like a King Cyrus. And he's like the King Cyrus was to the Jews, bringing them back from the Babylonian exile and rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem for them. So these are the different layers and levels where the, the admiration for Trump is taking place. And the other thing that I think that cannot be underestimated among evangelical voters and was something that he brought up in, again, this crazy press conference he just had, um, is his policy on Israel. His moving of the embassy to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv 
is it's like as big as nominating Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. It's the reverse thing, right? So like 80 or so percent of evangelicals really like this. 20% of white evangelicals really Mm -hmm. don't. And it's kind of like the reverse with Jews, like 20% of them like, you know, the Trump policy and 80% of them don't. So let me try to draw these threads together. Christianity is losing the battle for young minds. And this is coming on the heels of losing pretty much every battle in the culture war that they've tried to win. So the youth is leaving, they're losing influence in America, and they aligned behind someone who offered them representation. Because they can already feel how irrelevant they're becoming, their chosen avenue has been the courts, since they're designed undemocratically and therefore don't have to reflect the will of the people. It should be obvious that the president does excel in furthering the agenda of evangelical Christianity. It's probably not sincere on his part, but who cares? The courts are being filled with psychos, the libs are being triggered, and Trump gets a solid base who will probably never abandon him. Pointing out that Trump isn't very Christ-like or that he might not really have accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior just shows that you don't understand Christianity or how politics works. And I add the part about not knowing how politics works because it doesn't matter what Trump or anyone else in office personally believes. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter at all, but what matters most is the coalition of interests that are responsible for putting them in that position. In Trump's case, evangelicals are a part of that coalition of interests, which is why he takes some of the specific cruel, stupid, and theocratic measures that he does. Uh, Another thought I had about the the whole Stormy Daniels affair, someone that's been bugging me about it, is uh, the line that I keep coming back, like the the sort of um, liberals who keep saying, or even some conservatives who are like, disappointed or like, oh, this shows the hypocrisy of all the evangelical Christians who support him. Like, you know, they, oh, they're, they're so godly and yet they support this, you know, man who's having sex with porn stars and cheating on his pregnant wife or whatever. And it's just like, they're not stupid. Like, why wouldn't well, they, they so, know what why wouldn't they, no, they still support Donald is. Trump? He's giving them everything they want. Do you think they give a fuck that, like, uh, Obama was, like, a family man who, like, you know, was faithful to his wife or whatever? No, they made up a fucking whole bunch of shit about he was... I don't think it's... I don't think a lot of them are quite as calculated as you're saying. I think people at the top of these evangelical hierarchies, the ones who are basically grifting or just kind of nuts themselves but very good operators... Uh, I think perhaps they're making a calculated choice, but of course they are. A lot of the ones at the bottom who are getting grifted are how can I put this nuts? They're just actual crazy people. Like there's the number of people who think Obama is the literal antichrist. Not not in some like figurative like oh he's the worst man. Like no, he's actually the fulfillment of a prophecy who. Uh, came to this country to set up regional healthcare exchanges to fulfill his demonic plan. For some reason, a lot of people have been slow to understand the link between the worst parts of the right and Christianity. The ones who have gotten it for a while sometimes call themselves anti-theists, and typically they are reviled by most of the people who hate Trump. This is irritating to me because American Christianity shares some of the responsibility for his acquisition of power and is largely responsible for informing his agenda. This is what they want. This is Christianity. They support all his horrible actions because they are horrible. How is everyone on the left not an anti-theist? Evangelicalism is a gangrenous limb on our society that does immeasurably more harm than good, and despite evangelicals' unabashed, continuous support for Trump, Christianity somehow still has moral authority among people who don't like Trump. If you're on the left, there's about a third of the country that we'll never reach, so I'm not really concerned with winning them over. 
So who I'm really agitated with above everyone else are the people who are left of center but disdain anti-theism, and are still clinging to the notion that religion is mostly a force for good, even while evangelicals thwart every political goal they have right in front of them. This is not even new with Trump. Evangelical Christians, who are the largest religious cohort in the U.S., according to Pew, have been empowering the far right for decades. This is not a secret. They want every possible benefit for churches, the right to discriminate against LGBT people, they want abortion outlawed yesterday, and a host of other stupid, cruel, or theocratic measures. One silver lining to Trump's presidency is that there's just no hiding this anymore. It's common knowledge that evangelicals support Trump. Christians are spending their moral capital with every passing day, and what they're spending it on exposes what their values really are, and no one can really claim ignorance. They never deserved any moral authority, but the oversized reservoir they had is being depleted. I might be naively optimistic here, but I think Christianity is contributing to its own decline by choosing to associate itself with Trump. I'm not saying Trump is destined to be unpopular with everyone eventually. I'm saying that no one, not even his supporters, believe that he's a morally virtuous man. One of the only supports propping up God's carcass is the mythical link between morality and religion. When they don't have that, what else do they have to sustain them? What Christians are saying seems less and less true the more we learn, and they're not good for society. If they lose their undeserved moral authority, what do they have left? Christianity will only be for the most desperate and weakest among us, who church leaders will always be happy to prey upon, I mean help. Also, the less educated will still buy it. But other than outbreeding everyone and indoctrinating their offspring, I don't know what other avenues they have. It's always been a lie that morality comes from religion, but for young people, it's never been more obvious that it's a lie. The way Christians are investing their moral capital is not going to have a huge return with young people. If you suffer through any of the videos or articles that religious people write about why they're hemorrhaging youth, it's clear that they don't have the faintest idea why it's happening. Now today, 70% of America is Christian, and that number is significantly lower than it's ever been in history. Um, and that's where the decline, the so-called decline in America is happening, or so they tell us. That's not really the problem. There is a problem. There's a big problem in American culture and with the church and with Christianity. Uh, Christianity is declining in America, that's for sure. The problem is, is within the 70% that we still have. We say that 70% of America is Christian. A good portion of we Christians are not really Christian in any meaningful sense whatsoever. The average American Christian is no different from the average American atheist or agnostic or secular person. And if 70% of us were really authentically, substantially Christian, well, then we, our culture would be in pretty fine shape. We, we, right, uh, it's that Christians aren't acting like Christians. Why have I never seen an article or video where a Christian says something like, the internet? YouTube and podcasts, maybe the proliferation of easily accessible information and exposure to other cultures and points of view had a bit of an effect? Just appreciate the lengths religious people will go to ensure that their children stay in a bubble. Christian schools and colleges, Christian music, movies, social gatherings, and the like. They wouldn't go to these lengths if they thought it didn't matter. And yet I've never heard a Christian mourning their decline say, hey, if the kids learn anything outside a narrow band of information, they will no longer be Christian. But instead, it's that Christians aren't acting like Christians. No, it's that Christians are acting like Christians. They have measurably different attitudes and views. For example, young people are overwhelmingly pro-LGBT, and the church has consistently aligned itself against gay rights. 
Do church leaders not realize that this has an effect? And by the way, don't ever let them forget that. Because I fully expect Christians my age or younger than me, who are pro-LGBT and possibly religious, when we're old, to believe some revisionist history where Christianity was not the single greatest enemy of gay rights in America. And I don't think this is because of any malicious intent on their part. It's because the Christians who are born now, or only a few years ago, will have no memory of the behavior and attitudes of Christians for the decades before they were born. So they'll grow old thinking, well, I'm a Christian, and I'm not against gay rights, so I'm not accusing these future revisionists of ill intent, at least not all of them, but we still can't let them get away with it. Uh, and we're in the midst of another rights revolution, that is the gay rights and same-sex marriage. Uh, this is unfolding before our eyes. It's kind of nice to have that because we can see how it happens, documented fairly clearly. You can see who's against it. You can see who's for it. You can hear the arguments and remember and remind them. Usually social attitudes lag a few years behind legal changes, so I'm predicting by 2020 to 2025, we'll look back on 2015 and same-sex marriage debates like we now look back at interracial marriage debates. Remember when interracial marriage was a big thing? Yeah, I don't either. I mean, what? Are you serious? Uh, yeah, 4% of Americans in 1959 approved of, same, of uh, interracial marriage. Now, they quit asking the question, pollsters quit asking the question in the 1990s because uh, no one was talking about it anymore. Uh, this will all be over. In countries like Germany, gay uh, rights and same-sex marriage is non-controversial. This is my wife Jennifer's friends. They, it's no big deal. People don't make a, a big fuss about it. And by the way, they don't have guns over there either. No one talks about that either. It's really amazing what a different social attitudes uh, countries can have and still be progressive, advanced, and, and liberal. Uh, so, uh, and here's the, uh, those who are leading it by generation, the millennials born 1981 or later, are leading the charge. They're the ones that say, gay, whatever, dude. Uh, and uh, us baby boomers, Don, we're sort of dragging, dragging behind, but we're getting there. So those most opposed are white evangelical Protestants, black Protestants, mainline Protestants and Catholics, the religiously unaffiliated, the nuns, the non religious, the uh, secularists, atheists, agnostics, freethinkers, skeptics, so on, those, those who um, do not oppose it, and that's who's leading that revolution. Uh, but again, these, these, will, these will all go up, uh, I predict, by 2020, 2025 or so. And then, my other prediction that I, you've probably heard me make before, they'll then take credit for this, you know, God loves everybody, including gays and lesbians. You know, we always said that. Remember that Episcopalian guy that married? Yeah, that was our guy. <laughs> Okay, whatever it takes to get things there, you know, all right, fine. But, but just remember, you know, what the data showed and why the arguments people made on that. So, um. The reason kids are leaving is for the same reason I left, and I imagine a lot of you left. Because it's not true, and it's immoral. As Bertrand Russell put it, I am as firmly convinced that religion does harm as I am that it is untrue.